Welcome back to the Addictive Pod. Today, I'm joined by an expert in neurolinguistic programming, the host of the podcast From Sobriety to Recovery, and someone who's personally helped me in my own recovery and development of my podcast, Jesse Mogul. You might remember him if you've been around long enough. He was my guest on episode 11 when he shared his inspiring story of recovery from alcoholism. If you haven't heard it, go back and give it a listen. Today, we discuss a topic that I'm sure everyone is all too familiar with, the inner critic that negative voice inside your head that can make recovery seem impossible. We discuss practical tools for how to shut up this inner voice and the NLP ideas behind this. Please join me in welcoming back Jesse Mogul. Jesse Mogul, welcome back to the Addictive Pod, man. Good to see you. Adrian, I love being on your show. I love talking with you. This is always, we've been talking about this for how long? And we've made it happen. This is a beautiful, yeah. beautiful day. Yeah, I feel like every time we chat, I I secretly uh, hope that you'll it'll it'll work out and you'll come back on the show because it's been a while. It was episode eleven, so it was almost a year ago today that uh, really? you came on the show. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, well, you know what? We turn this into a we'll turn it into a monthly thing. Oh yeah, there's enough <laughs> there's enough content there for sure. <laughs> So how have you been? How is everything going with the show? It's always great to be able to watch you on social media and you're part of my tribe. So it's, it's great to be able to communicate with you there too. It's been good. I mean, I've, I definitely, um, I've been more consistent with, with publishing the episodes. So I feel better about that. That was one big goal that I had. Um, and, um, it's funny, I've been trying to, ever since I started working on NLP with you, I've been trying to apply more of the, um, sort of language principles in some of my interviews. And I'm not sure if it's, if it's translating, if it's there yet, it's still a work in progress, but it's definitely been um, an interesting thing to think about as I talk to people is the, the different representation systems and the ways to, to communicate effectively. So I have you to thank for that. Well, you, uh, you, Adrian, you're already taking on such a, you're developing such a beautiful growth mindset around this information. Cause even in your language patterns right there, right? Like it's a work in progress. Like you're using very toward positive language patterns rather than the, the, uh, the negative away from language patterns that so often people use as that pessimistic crutch that people walk around with. It's better to expect the negative than hope for the positive mm -hmm. is what I've generally noticed in people. And, and it's, it actually causes your brain to seek out the negative rather than searching for the positive. Positive. So when you switch the language patterns, your brain actually is unconsciously guided to looking for the positive rather than the negative. And it's a powerful, powerful tool to use. And how does that tool? So this is actually it was one of the first things I wanted to talk about with you with regards to addiction recovery, because really, I mean, my whole interest in NLP is, is always coming back to addiction recovery. And that's the reason I want you on the show is to really give people tools who are in recovery tools that are going to help them to get over the addictive behaviors or substances, but also to just have a, a fuller and more connected life with other people. So um, the tool of, of language, of phrasing things in your mind and, and in your words in a more positive way, how can that apply to, to addiction recovery? 
there's a couple ways like neuro-linguistic programming. Neuro stands for neurological. So it's how the brain interprets the world through the five senses, touch, taste, sight, sound, smell. Everyone does this. It's, it's just a standard operating procedure. Whenever you experience the world, it goes in your brain, it gets filed and filtered and, and under these different things that are a whole nother conversation, but it creates this internal picture inside your head. And that's what you consider reality. No two people will ever see the same uh, event the same way. We both go to a park and you were both gonna experience it completely different. It's because we have different brains, we have different filtering systems. Even though we're taking everything in through our five senses, the picture that we now interpret as the park is not going to be the same. When you look at the linguistic part of NLP, that's how we use language in order to explain the world to ourselves in our own mind. That's that inner self-talk, that roommate who never shuts up inside your brain. <laughs> And it's also how we externally use language to talk to other people to explain to them how we see our reality. Because again, it's our reality. No two people will ever have the same reality about anything. No matter how tw two twins glued at the hip would still experience the world completely differently. And then you have the programming part. And that's just how the brain naturally looks for patterns, sequences to habituate in order to just make life easier. It's the brain's always looking for shortcuts. And this is how most of us became addicts, right? We had, we took in the world through our five senses. We created whatever reality we felt and whether it was positive or negative caused us to shift our language patterns inside our own heads. We started looking for ways to handle our emotions. And most of us turned towards addictive substances as the habit that would allow us to program ourselves to not feel the things we didn't want to feel. So when you say, how are we using communication in our lives? You use it with the external words that you actually say to people. And you're also using it internally with the words that you say to yourself. Mm -hmm. And so communication styles is it's, it's an internal and it's an external. And it's very important that all of us, not just the, the, the sobriety and recovery people, but everybody realize that the way you talk to yourself is more than likely not the way that you externally talk to other people mm, yeah. about yourself. Yeah, a lot of times, especially in early recovery, it's going to be way more negative. It's going to be super abusive. Um, like, I think that in my own life, I've probably had more negative self-talk than I've ever vocalized to any person about anything that they did wrong. Um, I don't know if other people relate to that, but let's let's start with that, the internal dialogue, the self-talk. So let's say someone's in early recovery or, or just coming to face... Uh, coming to accept the fact that they are struggling with an addiction and they're coming into recovery and they hate themselves and they have this voice in their head that's saying they're worthless, that's saying they're, um, they're telling themselves that they're never going to get over this, that they're a failure, that they've let everybody down, um, that they need their drug of choice, um, that they're going to die without it. What tools does NLP have that can, can help with some of this self-talk? Beautiful. You, you know, there's so many things that you just mentioned right there that I think to a standard, you know, that people in addiction recovery, people who are battling with addiction are, are feeling all of those things that you just mentioned. And there's one thing we all have in common when it comes to addiction and addiction recovery is that we all have suffering. We've all suffered somewhere in our lives and all humans suffer, but the, those who went down the path of addiction suffered in a different way because now we had to use this one tool in order to try to mute it. And when somebody's like, you know, I'm worthless, I'm a loser, I'll never be anything in my life. One of my first questions is, 
okay, so you say you're worthless. Let's seek out a place in your life where you do find worth, right? If you're starting, it's when you're starting at zero, like I'm worthless, I, I would rather be dead. I, I, my existence on this planet is a nuisance to my family. When you're starting out there, getting someone to all of a sudden jump out of bed and be like the Smurfs, la, 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 <laughs> yeah. and dancing around and thinking life is hunky dory. Right. It's not happening. You know, it's like I, I, I help a lot of people with their physical fitness and releasing trauma. And the reason why, you know, they're 100 pounds overweight is because they use food as their addictive substance. And I cannot get that person to go from I hate my body. I can't stand looking at myself in the mirror to I love my body. I want to look at myself in the mm -hmm. mirror all the time. It's too big of a leap. So when I talk to people about how you talk to yourself in your head, don't look for that huge leap across the Grand Canyon. What is the smallest step you can take today mm. to find worth, right? Somebody does love you. You have worth somewhere in your life. You, you, where can you start to see just one little, one little shift? Where can you begin to change your perspective about yourself? Right. Like even if you are a, an addict living in a crack house, somebody in that crack house probably relies on you to keep them company. You have worth to that person. You might ultimately not want to be in that crack house anymore, but you still have worth to that person. Somewhere in your life, you have worth. Let's find that and then let's accentuate the way you talk to yourself about that area. That's really powerful. So the the typical advice of affirmations and writing on a mirror, like you are beautiful and you are um, priceless and valuable. Do you, do you think that that is too big of a leap for most people and that's why it, it doesn't help some people? Or do you think there is something to, to writing affirmations? There is. There's absolutely something to the idea around affirmations there where, where the leap becomes too great. That Grand Canyon cavern that I, I mentioned is when you're trying to go from I'm worthless. I wish I were dead to I'm amazing. I'm so glad to be alive yeah. that when the affirmation is I am so amazing. I am worthy of being alive. It's like you can't lie to yourself if you've if you've been telling yourself for 20 years that you're worthless and you'd rather and you you have no reason to be on this planet i can't just in one conversation and with one sentence get you to completely see it the other way but you can have at least that person go from i'm worthless to there is worth in me in this one area of my life mm -hmm. and then let's so let's build the affirmation around that one area and then you can expand it like look at it like a house if you go to do a complete remodel of your house, you got to completely move out of your house and go live somewhere else. But you can't do that with your own mind. You're always there. So how about we just remodel one room at a time and then a year or two, five, 20 from now, the entire house went from a crack house to now a McMansion mm -hmm. because we slowly just remodeled one room, one corner, one closet, one shelf at a time. One shelf every single week, by the end of a year, you would have a completely different room or a completely different house. So yeah, I agree. Affirmations are great. It's the complexity of the affirmation that I think causes people to stop doing them or not believe them. So there might be a way to sort of take a break from that house. I, I don't know if this is a hack or if this is something that, um, that you've used or other people use, but I learned this from you uh, accidentally almost. Um, with the representation systems. So when I was in that negative self-talk, I realized that it's it's auditory digital. It's all about the language. So I basically decided, you know what, I'm going to take a break from that and try and get into kinetic, get into visual and focus on those um, 
that area of information that's coming into my senses to stay grounded in that way. Suddenly the self-talk kind of shuts up for a little bit. Um, I know that that's a lot there to unpack. Maybe you could just start by explaining the, the different uh, representation systems for people that haven't heard of that before. Yeah, you know, you you broke it down. Now, in about five minutes, once I've explained it, everyone's going to want to go rewind five minutes, and then they'll totally get again. what you yeah. just said, right? <laughs> because I remember you, when I taught KAV to you in the tribe, what how powerful you told me it was the next time we talked. And so, so for y'all out there, if you've got a pen and paper, you can take notes. If not, just listen with intention to 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 learn, because this is some this is powerful, and this this is what I love to teach to to the tribe. So when he, when Adrian's talking about representational systems what he's talking about is how the neuro part when we take in the world through our five senses it's touch taste sight sound smell in neuro-linguistic programming we call that vacog visual auditory kinesthetic which is the touch and it's also the feeling and then there's olfactory and gustatory and olfactory is your uh, olfactory is nose and gustatory is taste and what we really focus on is the kinesthetic auditory and the visual components because that's really where the touch this the sight and the sounds those are the way we really really interpret the world around us smells and tastes less so so when you start to mention kinesthetic, how does something feel to you? What's the energy you get around it? What's it? What is it? Uh, what's the touch of it like? Is it coarse? Is it smooth? Is it sticky? Is it is it slick? That's when you start to look around your house, you'll very much notice how you can you can determine texture just by visually seeing something, and then you can see like I'm looking at a sound screen right now, and that obviously is a little bit rougher. So if I had to go rub my hand on it, it would have a very particular touch to it versus my wall. So when you're kinesthetically in touch with yourself, you're, you're, you're in your feelings. Your touch is a very prominent sense for you. If you're auditory, which is auditory and visual is what about 70% of the, of the population of the whole world is, mm, then wow. sounds are very important to you. How does something sound to you? you you're, if you hear a loud bang, you get startled easy. If there's a lot of noise around you, it, you, you don't like it or you do like it. If you're an extrovert, you often will recharge your batteries by being around a lot of people because you like the commotion and the laughter and the noise. An introvert likes a little bit more peace and calm. And so there's a kinesthetic peace and calm there, but there's also that quietness that they seek. And that's being auditory driven. And then there's visual where your sight is so important and do you notice how near or far things are? Do you have a, do you love a beautiful view out of a window or do you mostly not like any windows at all? That just tells you that you lean towards more of the visual um, aspect. And when you mentioned auditory digital, that's just what we call in NLP, the inner self-talk, the inner voice. And if you find yourself constantly just going at yourself inside your own head, what you did was instead of listening to that voice and trying to argue with that voice or even pay attention to that voice, you just chose to be very much kinesthetic in that moment and get in touch with yourself. Like, I think I remember, if I remember the story correctly, you were on your bed and you just got really into just how does the bed feel? How did your body feel on the mattress? When looking around your room, you started to notice the textures and the shapes of everything that was around you. And you really got into your kinesthetic and visual mm -hmm. and you, you were able to get out of your head and get into your other three. And, 
it's just like with anything else, if you close your eyes, now you don't see anything, your other senses heighten. When you choose in your own mind to actively stop listening to that voice and instead pay attention to your kinesthetic, your auditory, and your visual, you will all of a sudden not hear that voice as much. And what you did without even realizing it was that you cut out the auditory too, because if you're Focusing too much on auditory, that also gives you the opportunity to, to still listen to that voice in your head. And for most of us, that voice in our head has been leading us down the wrong path for far too long. That's what Freud would have called the ego. Mm. The ego is what caused us, majority of us, to suffer so greatly. So when you just choose to get more kinesthetic and into your touch and when you choose to get more visual and into your sight the auditory and the auditory digital will naturally take a back seat and that helps you quiet the mind and i'm so glad that we had a, again you guys might want to rewind that and listen to it five more times <laughs> because i cannot stress to you how important what adrian is talking about is what you're talking about man that yeah well <laughs> that, that explanation i mean it's it is so powerful because the more I thought about it, the more I realized that addictive behaviors basically do that. So let's say you are an alcoholic. When you drink, it 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 has a feeling to it. It feels different. Like there's a physical sensation there. It kind of gets you into that kinetic. Um, if you're a porn addict, you're you're looking at something. Like you're you're going into the visuals and you're um, focusing all of that energy on visuals. Um, both of those things, they they quiet down that the auditory digital, they quiet down those other areas that are the source of a lot of suffering um, for for people in addiction. And I think that's, um, I don't know, it just, it, it really blew my mind, uh, this whole system in understanding my own addiction and in understanding other people's addictions and a really cool tool for, for dealing with... Um, withdrawal for dealing with just the negative self-talk or for discomfort in everyday life dude you're so spot on what a great what a great conversation starter and summary too because yes let's 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 just for a moment go to that addictive moment when we all are right there at that second before the use right right before the beer goes down the throat or the porn gets hit played or we or we or we slide our chips on the table for the gambling or what you know, we right before the straw all of that moments yeah. what we're seeking in those moments is i mean I'm, I'm like leaning into the camera now even though we've got the cameras off i'm so <laughs> excited what we're seeking in those moments is to be in touch with our kinesthetic side there's yeah. a, something that we're going to feel as soon as we do this and the anticipation all day to this very moment right before we, we're we're drawing drawing so much in on that kinesthetic. And so often I remember people saying, I don't like to get wasted because I don't like to lose control. And my response back was, I love getting wasted because I finally can shut that guy up inside my head yeah. because I just gone because now I'm into my kinesthetic. I'm talking a bunch. I'm laughing at the bar. I'm looking around at all the pretty girls. Who am I going to flirt with next? I got into my K, A, and V and the AD had no choice but to take a back seat. Mm. So when we're looking to step out of addiction and into a sobriety and addiction recovery, we want to use the same tools that got us into that mess to get us out of that mess. And I mean, focusing on the kinesthetic, 
of what it feels like to now be sober. What does it feel like to now handle our emotions in a more mature and, and desirable way, right? When, when we were looking to unplug through our kinesthetic, when we use, we can now seek to plug in to our lives by utilizing kinesthetic. It's already a powerful driver within us. We can now just use it in a completely different way. And some people will say, well, that doesn't seem right because if kinesthetics, what got me into this, how is it going to get me out? <laughs> I'm like, well, thing. it's the same thing, but I'm like, yeah, but it's all about how you're using the tool. A hammer in the wrong person's hands becomes a bludgeoning instrument or in the right person's hands, it builds a house. Mm, so, well the, so it's, it's not the tool that is the issue here. It's the way that we're using the tool and it's the user of the tool and the, and the perspective we have around the tool that needs to shift. And once that shift occurs, the power of kinesthetic really begins to envelop our lives and changes everything. And, and just to, uh, as a disclaimer, I mean, it's not, um, this isn't sort of the healing solution um, of addiction. This is more so a tool to to cope uh, and, and a tool to alleviate uh, suffering. I don't think that sort of focusing on um, my my surroundings, my visual surroundings is going to suddenly cure me and suddenly uh, my trauma and different uh, areas of my life are cured. It's just giving me that, that, that respite that I need. Um, and to kind of explain what happened, here's, here's sort of a breakdown of exactly what, what happened that made me have this uh, insight and send you all the WhatsApp long messages. Um, I, um, my, <laughs> my inner, my internal dialogue was going off. I was feeling intense, like physical discomfort as well. Like when I, when I have anxiety, I start to feel like physically, uh, sick and I, I start to have chest pains. Um, this is starting to go on, um, which used to be a cue for addiction, right? That used to be the cue to, oh, I need to do something to get out of this feeling, um, so that's starting to begin. I'm getting a physical sensation. My mind is like just running at uh, a thousand kilometers an hour with all these thoughts. And I start to think about the uh, the NLP session and I start to think about, okay, there is there are millions of, of bits of data around me right now of information. And I'm choosing to focus on this, this negative sensation in my body and, and the negative self-talk, what if I can focus on other information? What other information is around me? And I look at a window ledge, just some random, like, dusty window ledge, and start looking at it, like, really looking at it and looking at all the detail, the detail of the wood, the, um, the dust particles, the way the, the shading and the, the light is hitting it. And, I mean, there is a ton of detail there. There's so much to, to look at. And it was a really interesting experience of just noticing something like that. Um, and the, the internal dialogue uh, shut up. And, and I, felt, I felt okay. And I kind of went about the rest of my night and sent you some, uh, some really long WhatsApp messages about uh, how, how it helped <laughs> me. Um, but, I mean, come on. That is a, that is a free tool that's completely harmless. Um, and it's a way of, of getting through, um, a period of, uh, of, of discomfort or suffering that typically we used to use addiction to solve. So that's pretty good. It, it, in your, in your summary of it was so beautifully portrayed there. I really want your listeners to, to take this and utilize it in their own recovery. We talk about how, you know, you can have this craving, you can have this discomfort that 
drives you to want to go use. And sometimes it's five seconds. It could be five minutes. It could be five hours, however long it is. What you were able to do in that moment was just simply stop. And for five, 10, 15, 20 seconds, it became five minutes. You were able to move your brain from using, because that was what the kinesthetic in you was, was telling you. And instead you switched it to this visual and you, and you, and you switched it to this whole looking at the windowsill. And if that's what it takes to get you past that five second, 30 second mark to allow the craving to subside, to allow rational thought to step in and not let your emotionally triggered self take over and lead you down the path of using, which we, none of us want anymore, or we wouldn't even be listening to shows yeah. like this. Like we've clearly made the decision to make the change. So do what Adrian just talked about y'all. I mean, literally <laughs> it's, it's like you have, and we, and I remember learning this at Kaiser and in my meetings, they're like, sometimes the craving is five seconds. What are you going to do in the next five seconds to move through it? Stop feeling or stop letting the auditory digital tell you what you should be doing. And instead get into the kinesthetic, walk over to that windowsill, feel it, notice the textures, really dive into the dust particles. And five minutes later, you're like, yep, okay, I'm good. But that five <laughs> minutes was literally the moment where you could have come crashing down and lost all of your sobriety days and had a reboot at zero and then question your your discipline and question your beliefs and question your worthiness yeah. but instead you showed yourself that by using this amazing simple tool that you were able to boom find yourself on the other side of it and with that that whole uh all those good sensations and vibrations you have like wow i can do this i can i can beat this inanimate object this substance i can i can shove it to the side and instead i can be present in the moment and this makes all the now i'm going to do this with every aspect of my life and like you stated at the beginning this isn't the end-all be-all tool to immediately get you through sobriety and into addiction recovery but it's one of the many different tools that i teach and when you take all of these tools and you add them all together you all of a sudden have this amazing toolbox at your feet at your disposal any single time and then it's just a matter of using the right tool at the right moment and now you rebuild your house rather than tear it down and let's say I did uh, cope with it through addiction, right? Suddenly, my internal critic has more reinforcement and more ammo to throw at me about how worthless and how much of a failure I am. But instead, if you're able to make it through that five seconds, if you're able to make it through the five minutes, you prove that voice wrong and the voice gets weaker. Like it does start to chip mm -hmm. away at that. The internal dialogue does start to change as you can prove to yourself that, hey, like I'm, I'm not that guy anymore. That's such a, I mean, again, it's like, I, it's like we have these two different versions of ourselves on our shoulders, you know, it's, we've got drunky and sobery, yeah. right? So, <laughs> so you've got, you know, and, and drunky, the, the voice in your head, that's the drunk, that's the addict. It's, you know, you know we call him, we'll call him Addy for addiction or whatever, right? Addy's over here, just nope, nope, loser, worthless, worthless, worthless. And then all of a sudden sober, oh, you know, sobery over here is like, really? Because you know what? We just worked our way through that. And all of a sudden Addy's like, oh yeah, damn. <laughs> Okay. Uh, someone used to call me Addy as a nickname for Adrian. I hated it. And now I know why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. That would not have been the nickname I would have gone with for you. Uh, but, <laughs> but again, you're totally, you're spot on. The more the brain looks for what we call confirmation bias. Mm. So if you tell yourself you're worthless all the time, then your brain is looking for, because your brain wants to prove you're right. The unconscious mind wants you, your conscious mind to be as correct as possible because it's an ego unconscious mind mind's ego driven. And so the conscious, so the unconscious mind's like, Oh, okay. The conscious mind says we're worthless. Let's find ways.
ways that we're worthless. When you say I have worth, I, I have purpose, then the unconscious mind's like, oh, okay, cool. Well, the, that's what we're going to look for now. And then it goes off and it looks for ways that you have worth and that you have purpose. It's the same thing if all of a sudden I decided I wanted to go and get myself a dachshund dog. Then my brain's going to start noticing dachshunds everywhere. The dachshunds mm -hmm. were always there, but now I consciously am looking for dachshunds because now I've told myself I want a dachshund. It's the same thing whenever it comes to worth and, and worthiness. So the more you prove to yourself you're worthy, the more your unconscious mind looks for the worthiness. And then that voice inside your head st starts to say, well, yeah, you didn't do that great, but you know what? You've done it great these other 10 times. So so let's not let the one slip uh, where you yelled at your kid or you barked mm, at your boss. Mm. Let's not let that one thing say that we are not doing a good job. It's just one moment. Let's review why we got emotionally triggered. Let's monitor how we get emotionally triggered in the future. And let's seek ways to be more emotionally grounded moving forward. And when you do that, you all of a sudden start to really locate opportunities in your normal day-to-day -day life where you can reduce that emotionally triggered re reactionary rage version of yourself. And instead you replace it with this emotionally grounded response oriented, calmer version of yourself. And you do this enough days in a row, just like with sobriety, you stack up enough of them, nothing can knock you off of that perch once you've built it for yourself. Yes, yes, well said. And as if this tool isn't useful enough, as if it isn't powerful enough, I mean, that wasn't even the intended use of, of this model and of you uh, teaching this, um, this uh, representation system. I mean, it was really about when you were originally teaching it, at least in this context, it was about communication styles and about how to more effectively communicate and understand um, other people's communication, which is super important as well when it comes to addiction recovery. Because, I mean, in addiction, we are isolated. We are always in uh, coming into antagonistic relationships with people or um, misunderstanding people or feeling misunderstood. So to effectively communicate, to effectively connect with others, I think is a super powerful tool. Um, could you break down that a little bit? Could you break down how KAV can be used as a communication tool? Oh, absolutely. And you're, and you're spot on too. And you're, this conversation is just so full of flow. We're definitely going to do this more often. <laughs> I know, man. Um, you're coming back. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm already like, man, we can expand on so many different topics. So we've covered how you're communicating inside your own mind and how you're using your five senses to literally experience your life a different way. Once you've done that and you've created this picture, you know, now, now this picture of your reality, it, it's, it spits out an emotional state, which shifts your physiology, which these three things, your internal pictures, your emotional state and your physiology, your physical body and how you carry yourself and how you feel about your body. These three factors spit a behavior. They spit out an action. And when that happens, that's when we start to externalize the internalization of the world around us. And how do we externalize it to other people? We talk to them about it. And so we, it's the words that we use. And so when you start to look at how you can use kinesthetic auditory and visual words to communicate with people more effectively. It comes down to that we all have a preferred way of communicating. I'm very visual and auditory digital. I talk to myself in my head a lot. I repeat people's questions. Everything you say is being repeated by that internal voice in my head because it helps me focus. So when somebody wants to communicate effectively with me, 
using a lot of visual words, using a lot of auditory digital words is going to be a way to break through my conscious and into my unconscious mind and connect with me, build rapport with me in a way that goes beyond what most people could even understand is happening. Hmm. And a beautiful way to start using these uh, sensory-based words is when we go to meetings, listen to the way somebody talks. Are they using a lot of auditory words? Like, uh, I've got a whole list of them right next to my computer here where I'm talking. Like, are they using a lot of auditory words like hear, listen, all ears, turn a deaf ear, silence, ask, discuss? Or are they using a lot of visual words? Look, view, reveal, clear, foggy, hazy, focus, show. Are they using a lot of kinesthetic words? Touch, grasp, hard, soft, solid, feel, reach, touch, touching base, stand, sit. When you, when you learn this and you can start to recognize these word patterns in other people, then you realize what their preferred communication style is, K, A, or V. And when you discover this, then you can just start to match the words that they use. And then unconsciously, you would just begin to connect at a much deeper way. And where I think this is super helpful for those of us in an addiction recovery is that a lot of us have burnt a fair amount of bridges, right? We have pissed yep. off our parents. We have pissed off our siblings. Our friends don't take our calls anymore. Well, when we finally do get that opportunity to step forward with them and make amends, if, if you're into AA, you'll recognize that. Um, or when we do get into our four truths and we need to go back and we need to discuss with people how our journey through life affected their journey through life. When we know their preferred communication style, K, A, or V, kinesthetic, auditory, or visual, then we can communicate with them in a way that connects with them at a deeper level. And this won't magically make those relationships just healed, but it will, it, it will, it will, it's like using WD-40 on a really tight lug nut, right? The lug nut's not just going to naturally slip off because you sprayed it with WD-40, but it's going to be a hell of a lot easier to get loose and take mm -hmm. off because you've added the WD-40. Kinesthetic auditory visual words and, and utilizing those when you communicate with the, with the people you want to mend and heal your relationships with, this strategy is the WD-40 in those communication opportunities. And with it, you will find that they really genuinely feel that you're feeling them, hearing them, or seeing them in a new way. And they'll notice your development and your growth and your recovery at a way and at a level that actually shows them that you're seeking to change rather than just saying you're changing. That's so funny. Even that last phrase you used when you said like, you can feel them, hear them, see them, the, people use that kind of interchangeably. Like it means the same thing but different people will use a different phrase. Like some people will say, I feel you. Some people will say, I see you. So it's, it's interesting, even something as simple as that. Um, they all mean the same thing, really. They, they all mean, um, yeah, that you understand the person, that you're, you're with them, that you uh, are connecting with them. Um, so it's just a, a sort of tell of what type of um, communication style or what type of language style that they are using in their own mind as well you're again spot on right like feel oh i totally feel you bro yeah. oh, i hear you man oh yeah i see what you're saying or even understand is an auditory digital word uh, that's the one that i used right so that was my tell i'm, mm -hmm. def <laughs> I'm right? definitely and auditory I, digital so auditory like digital 
that's more that when you want to say, well, how do I, how do I you know, experience auditory digital in my mind? It's, it's cause you're always talking things out. That's the computer version of your brain. Mm-hmm. And so the, so the auditory digital uses a lot of words like maintain, understand, communicate. It uses those bigger words because it's a computer. It's it just, it, it's, it, it's, it's more of the rational version of yourself rather than the kinesthetic, which is really touchy feely or auditory or visual, which is just more sensory. Like you, you experience things externally and then you internalize them. And it is, I mean, it's, we're, we, as addicts, we got so good at noticing those micro facial expressions, those little tells that people would give about whether they were enjoying the conversation Mm -hmm. or whether they were flirting with us. We got so good at noticing them. And yet for some reason, when we get into sobriety and recovery, we forget that we have this skill of noticing people's micro expressions of, of noticing the words. Uh, we, it's like, almost like we, we want to release and let go of anything that we were good at when we were an addict, because that meant we were an addict. But yet at the same time, we habituated a lot of really good things mm. in our lives that allowed us to be addicts for so long and semi-functioning, if you will. Let's not let go of the good stuff. Let's just take the addictive substance away, but let's keep keep our communication strategies. Let's keep our rapport building. Let's keep those things that we learned through addiction because it's not those things' fault that we were using them so much in addiction. It was our choice to be addicted that caused us to use those tools incorrectly. Yeah. I mean, like what you said about tools earlier on, they can either be used to build a house or, or bludgeon something. I don't know the exact phrase you use. Very visual explanation yeah. of what tools can be used. Bludgeon for, was the word. I'm watching a TV show on um, HBO Max right now yeah. called uh, The Undoing, and somebody in that TV show gets hit with a hammer many times. Yikes. And they and, and so I remember being like, ah, oh, that was a bludgeoning. And then, and, yeah. And then, but isn't that funny how when I was going to, when I used for an example, I used a hammer mm-hmm. and I, and I mentioned bludgeoning. And then I also m- mentioned building a house. You can learn a lot of about the way I communicate and the fact that I chose a hammer as the tool to use in that, in that mm-hmm. uh, analogy. And the fact that I use bludgeon versus building, I'd already talked about building houses and remodeling a lot. So it's not surprising that I used a hammer. I had recently watched a show where someone got hit with a hammer many times. And so I'm not surprised that I pulled that visual out of my brain to use it as the negative, right? So there's all these little tells about somebody's Uh, the way that they experience life inside their mind that are being said, just they're coming at you so fast that you don't even notice them. Mm -hmm. And when you learn NLP, all of a sudden you're able to slow down these communication moments and you're able to actually say, oh, wow, he used hammer. So there must be a reason why he's using hammer as his example. Oh, because he talks about building a house a lot. So there must be something about rebuilding your life that means a lot to him. And then why did he say bludgeoning? And then we like, huh, it's interesting that you just said bludgeoning what what caused you to do that actually i'm watching a tv show right now and oh okay so he so he pulled that example out of a a recent experience and you learn so much about people with these little uh, micro shifts in their language and you learn how to notice this stuff when you learn nlp so where can people learn nlp jesse i gotta i gotta give you a plug here for the uh yeah for, for what you do and the coaching that you do, because I think it's a really, really valuable thing to learn. And um, 
and I know that you've been uh, you've been doing this coaching class now. I don't know if that's do you have plans to open that up to um, to a bigger audience to do some type of online um, uh, video version of classes or are you keeping it um, sort of smaller classes for now? Yeah, I'm, I'm opening it up. Uh, my next class, I'm looking to put about 12 people in it. And there's there's a few spots still available. And it's going to be, you can actually learn all, you can actually learn NLP, like in depth, learn it. And then I've also got what you took, but I've, I've reduced it to six weeks. And it's a shorter version that is more for the people just looking for the personal growth and the development side. And then for those that are looking to use this more, uh, more in depth in their lives, or perhaps even start a mentoring or a coaching practice, or just be a leader in their community, I've got the in-depth. So I've got two. One, you can just utilize it for yourself and, and keep it pretty short and succinct, six weeks. And the other one is 12 weeks and it's much, much more in-depth. And both of those are accessible by going over to my From Sobriety to Recovery Instagram account or the Jesse Mogul Instagram account. Click on my bio link. You'll see in there where you can set up a consultation call. I call it a discovery session. It's about 30 minutes. I get a chance to talk with you, meet with you, figure out what it is you're seeking to change and, and challenge yourself to increase in your life. And then we can guide you into whichever one of my programs would work best for you for where you're at now. Like you took the, the, you took the, the longer version, but it was just the personalized mm -hmm. down the line. We've talked about you learning the more in depth way. So you can go off and you can teach it and you can be a mentor and you can be a leader in your community. And so uh, there's both opportunities available and all you need to do, like I say, at the end of my podcast, you just uh, step, stand up, step up, raise your hand. I'll call on you. If you want to know more, the opportunity is one link away. I mean, the crazy thing about it is everything that we talked about today was maybe one tenth of one session that we did, right? Or or maybe yeah. <laughs> yeah. or one tenth of one session and one tenth of another, like kind of muddled together. Like there's a lot, a lot of of information there, and you start to realize how many other, um, maybe self help isn't the right word, but other sort of self development programs are really, uh, really based on NLP or or variations of NLP. Um, so yeah, it's a ton of content there. I really recommend people, uh, go over to Jesse's page and check it out and, uh, come back on the show, man. We got to talk about this more. <laughs> oh yeah. Like we said, when we discussed getting me on here today, but we should turn this into a once a month thing. Cause you're spot on. I think I've t told you that you're spot on like 10 times, which <laughs> I'm by the way, spot on today, you're super spot on. <laughs> and that's a very kinesthetic word, by the way. Um, so I'm feeling, because I'm, I'm feeling our conversation. Yeah. Like I have this energy when I get on the calls with you and, and there's something about us communicating that means so much to me. And I, I love the way that you broke that down. This has just been a small, a fraction of what you can learn in, in neuro-linguistic programming, but it expands to every single corner of your life, much like oxygen. Mm -hmm. NLP is the building block of everything in psychology and not because NLP is that amazing, but just because NLP is all based on our senses and how we create the world externally but internally in our minds and that's why it's cognitive behavioral therapy rapid eye movement all that stuff is built on the foundation of nlp so if you know that stuff or you ever wanted to learn that stuff it's it's one thing to make a cake with with the cbt cognitive behavioral therapy ingredients wouldn't you rather know all the different cakes that you can make <laughs> with nlp and that's why i can't stress enough that if you really want to dive deep into yourself and know the why you did what you did the what of you of what you did and the how you can begin to rapidly make amazing advances in your recovery nlp is the keys you've been looking for 
Jesse, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. It really means a lot to me. And um, yeah, we got to do it again. So chat soon. And uh, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely, Adrian. Thanks for having me on again, dude. I just love having these conversations. You be, you be amazing. Be splendid. And as we always say at the end of the show, every day is the best day of our lives because we wake up sober. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you use. If you want to learn more about Jesse or enroll in his NLP training, check out his website, jessemogul.com. Link will be in the description below. I've personally studied with Jesse and I highly recommend his courses. That's all for me today. Until next Wednesday, remember, we recover together.